Hi, I'm Paul Camillos. Join me and my co-host Jacinta Gavin for Series 4 of Shooting the Breeze. We cover women's hoops and women in hoops. We talk to inspiring players, amazing coaches and the legends behind the scenes and at the grassroots of the game. During this series we'll be covering the FIBA Women's World Cup where the 12 best teams of the planet are coming to Sydney. And of course, we'll be covering Australia's longest running women's professional sporting league, the WNBL, in its 43rd season. Hit that subscribe button, like and review so we can get more Hoops content to you. The game doesn't discriminate. Like whether it's your race, your age, your gender, your status in what, what, what you do for work. You could be a CEO, you could be a student. And, and even like we talked about before, like even language kind of fades into obscurity. Like once you step on the court, the only thing that matters in a pick-up game is putting the ball in the hoop. Nick Lawrence is a professional photographer who loves pickup hoops. He's passionate about getting a good run and connecting with like-minded hoops enthusiasts from all walks of life. It's the ultimate people leveller. No one cares what you do for a living or your social status. It's about a true love of the game and to get some exercise, have fun and meet new people you might not ordinarily meet from all over the world. Nick shares the places he's travelled, the characters he's met, and that connectedness blows me away when we hear about one of his subjects who, in one of those crazy coincidences, coached my daughter when she was first learning the game. Listen in to guess who that is. It's just magic. He's been working on a photographic portrait essay of pickup games over the last four to five years, even throughout COVID, where he met Jacinta and he joined our Shooting the Breeze run during the recent Women's World Cup and captured that too. Nick's Pick Up People exhibition opens on Thursday, 10th of November at the Alexandria Hotel, Backyard at the Alex, in a cool pub vibe out back with a hoop, and we'll be showing for a month. Keep an eye on our socials for that and be sure to check it out. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining myself and my co-host Jacinta Gavind, we've got Nick Lawrence, a photographer who's been working on taking photos of people playing pickup basketball. And it's a really interesting concept and a really interesting exercise that he's gone through to the point where there's going to be an exhibition coming up shortly. I believe, Nick, it's called Pickup People and the opening night is not too far away, Thursday, November 10, Backyard at the Alex. Yep. That's fine. Awesome. Just before we, we get into that, can you tell us just a little bit about the, the exhibition? And I believe it's at, at the Alexandria Hotel. Yep. Okay. So, pardon my ignorance. No. Where does, where does a pub hold <laughs> an exhibition? Yeah, indeed. So, I mean, I've lived in Alexandria for maybe uh, three years or thereabouts. The Alexandria Hotel uh, has been derelict almost the whole time I've lived in Sydney, which is about 10 years, and it was acquired by um, a new owner. It must have been like five or six years ago, but it is an old heritage building, so they've had 
some issues getting it started uh, or getting it uh, reopened, um, COVID being a factor in that as well. Um, anyway, it reopened about a year ago and has a half-court hoop in the back of it. Uh, it's essentially like a big, like, a large beer garden out the back. They, you know, on the other side of COVID, they uh, seem like they focused on an outdoor space that was, you know, made the most of the beer garden and that sort of thing. I take my son, my three-year-old son there quite a bit and he uh, he's, he loves hoops and loves just taking a little ball and trying to get it even on a full-size hoop. So it sort of works for us as parents. We just sort of go there for, you know, a couple of beers and dinner and able to keep an eye on him and sit and have a chat with other parents or, or whatever works and, and float around and get some shots up in the interim as well. Um, and so I started looking at the space sort of thinking, it's just such a nice community space and, and could kind of really fit with the project in terms of having, uh, sharing the imagery at scale, um, like big prints and that sort of stuff. So I approached the venue and uh, just sort of if they'd been interested and the rest of it has just sort of rolled on from there. It's basically going to be um, big paste-ups on the brick walls so it sort of feels quite almost like street, I guess, in, in fitting with the, the, the venue as opposed to, you know, the stark nature of what is sometimes like a, a formal art gallery. And and they've been really open to just really sort of taking over the joint a little bit. Like they just sort of said, you've got free reign of where and how you want to present images. So just back and forth with them on some ideas around that. And um, so there'll be some framed imagery inside and then big paste-ups and, and hung imagery uh, inside and outside a couple of installations with some sort of sound stuff and video stuff as well. So, uh, And I'm also doing a 60-page broadsheet publication that's going to sit alongside the exhibition as well. So, yeah, that's all kind of happening. I, uh, it's definitely coming to the pointy end of it. So over the next three weeks, we'll be pulling all those things together. The work itself is all kind of shot and done. It's just more a matter of sort of pulling it together and making those, like, decisions about... Uh, which exact images are going to kind of make the cut. Uh, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Sounds like you've put an enormous amount of time and love and energy and work into this huge project, Nick. So, like, well done. Because yeah, thanks. From the outside, I feel like sometimes these projects and exhibitions just on the surface look like, oh, you know, Nick's just taken a couple of pictures at different pickup games. But I'm glad you gave such a thorough description of the work that goes into something like this. Yeah. Um, just remind us, you know, for the sake of the listeners too, just give us a bit of a background of when you started this project and how long it's been in the in the making. Yeah, no worries. It's probably it's somewhere around like four or five years. It's funny you saying that. Um, like I really distinctly remember having the chat with you um, at Terrigal and this was in very early stages like I hadn't shot any pictures at the Terrigal run yet or anything like that it was very much an idea you know at that point like I'd shot a few hoops and a few people but um, yeah that was almost like one of the first main shoots where I took loads of lights and and targeted a place where I knew there was going to be lots of interesting characters might have space to to set up stuff like that like lighting and all that sort of stuff but yeah probably I'm just trying to think. I, I guess I've started collecting almost like without thinking about it, um, shooting just interesting like hoops wherever I saw them because they're such interesting structures in their own right. So I sort of started having this collection without trying to have one of like hoops and it's like I was playing a lot of basketball at the time. Um, I just finished the project prior to this that I was working on that was shooting portraits of truck drivers 
and they sat alongside sort of Australian roads as landscapes. So I, in a similar way, I'd started shooting the roads first and then tried to find a human a human element to it. So I guess with the hoops, it was almost similar. Was, I started collecting the hoops without trying and then as working as a portrait photographer, well, that's my main interest, um, I started thinking, well, a human element would obviously be portraits of, you know, basketball players, but, you know, pickup players. I'd, I'd played enough pickup to know that it's just so diverse and there's just so many unique characters and personalities that come to that sport or that kind of genre of the sport, if you like. So I was like, oh, this could be pretty cool. So I just really started going down that road. Yeah. So that all happened quite organically from something that you were already participating in yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It was funny that one of the first, and it's one of my favourite portraits probably in the, that I've shot, um, I was basically on a flight to South Africa for a friend's wedding. Um, I'd flown to Johannesburg and then I had an internal flight between Johannesburg and Port Elizabeth where my friend lived and um, interestingly my said friend is someone I'd played basketball with for many years. I met on the Gold Coast through basketball and he's still to this day one of my best mates and has collaborated with me, with, with me on the project in terms of writing some words and stuff that will eventually be in the publication. But essentially there's this like kind of six, five African man sitting in the aisle seat across from me on the flight from Johannesburg to PE. And um, he was reading a book that I'd been reading at the time. I was watching, I think, skateboarding or something like that on my laptop. Anyway, we kind of caught eyes and I was like, oh, how are you finding the book? Um, I mean, I'm a bit of a friend maker. I tend to meet and introduce myself to people at the drop of a hat and have done since I was pretty young. But um, Yeah, you are very good at that. I, I will. <laughs> so, so I got chatting to him um, and uh, he's like, "What are you doing in um, What are you doing in, in traveling?" And so I told him the story and told him my background with my friend basketball. He's like, "Oh, I play down at uh, Kings Beach, like to just just at this court, like public court, usually on Fridays with a bunch of guys." And I was like, "Oh, that's cool. Maybe I'll because I'm starting to just just sort of starting to get into this project." Like, I, and I told him I work as a photographer and stuff. I'm like. Maybe if I give you my card or my email and I'll get yours, maybe we can stay in touch and I'll come to see if I can catch up and come down for a run. Like, and so the next couple of days when I was in Port Elizabeth, he emailed me and uh, we'd sort of just teed up a time on the Friday and hoped for the best. And um, I ended up, all, all that I had with me on that trip was like a, uh, I didn't take any digital photographic equipment. I just had an old Pentax 6-7 like film camera and a bunch of film. Uh, but it's a really beautiful camera for shooting portraits and, he and half a dozen of his mates were sort of down there and ended up having a few, you know, run for a couple of hours with my, my friend that was living there. And yeah, the, the, the few guys, his name's Marshall. I sort of stayed in touch with him and submitted the portrait for a couple of photographic portrait prizes here in Australia. And yeah, it was definitely one of the ones that really kind of kicked it off for me. I was like, this is cool. Like it's, there was a couple of characters that were just, you know, unique and I was like, I'm just, keep on doing this at different runs and slowly like kind of build it up over what what's ended up being sort of, you know, four or five years. <laughs> it's interesting how you talk about the way that um, you just got together and, and ended up playing a game because the pickup game that, that was organised during the World, Women's World Cup, mm. it, it's, it, it feels very similar. It was like, you know, it was, 
hey, let's just get together and see what happens. And people just got together. And interestingly enough, it ended up, it's obviously resonated in terms of fan engagement because it ended up being an article on the ABC website where they were talking about, hey, you know, it's just get people together, get the fans together, get, you know, like-minded people and just have some fun. Yeah. And so for me, one of the real big questions is having been around so many different pickup games, have you found that that's a pretty consistent consistent thing that you run across that people are just getting together have a lot of fun and just just to play yeah i mean i think it's one of the the things that interests me about it and one of the things i really love about it is just the um i mean the, the diversity that it attracts but also just the kind of for the most part the good vibes i mean pick up is pick up is is a little different i suppose in uh I mean, pickup runs can be different, right? Like you'll know this, Jacinta, they're not always, like sometimes they do get kind of hyper-competitive in a bad way and that sort of stuff. But for the most part, I don't know, it's almost like I tend to lean, I guess personalities and like-minded people tend to, this is in my experience anyway, tend to lean towards and return to runs that they've really enjoyed. And say like the terrible pick up run the regular Sunday Tezza scrimmage that has been going on for I don't know, something like 30 years, right, Jacinta? Like, yeah, that's um, right. It's a very long time, pretty much since the stadium's been open. Which is just nuts. Um, I, you know, I used to do a, a Sunday morning drive of an hour and a half just to go up for the run. Like my mum lives on the Central Coast, so I would usually go and try and kind of do both things. But that's how enjoyable that run was and how much it resonated with me for it's almost for me that particular gathering of people was the epitome of what a great pickup run is it was like super competitive but respectful at the same time and just so diverse in, and welcoming in terms of the age of people that played the gender if it wasn't an issue um background like ethnicity all that sort of stuff like yeah when that stuff happens, it's quite special, I think. So I don't know. I find myself attracted to those kind of runs, and sometimes, you know, if runs are the, they go the other way. That I, you know, I'm taking or leave them, and yeah, I think you, you sort of almost just like in life, you sort of know your people, so you just continue to return to those kind of things. And sometimes with pick up too, you'll meet. Well, I shouldn't say sometimes. A lot of the time with pick up games, you'll meet a lot of people you wouldn't have met in life otherwise. Totally. It's got this one commonality of enjoying and loving basketball and you just happen to meet by chance at a pickup game and sometimes, you know, depending how often you'll go to that regular run, you'll keep seeing that person develop a friendship over the period of time. But most of the people that come to the Terrigal Sunday scrimmage, uh, I don't think I would have met otherwise. Yeah. And I know them now from scrimmage because I haven't come, I actually haven't come across most of them in any other aspect of life. Like I don't think I've even run into some of them at the Erin Affair. Yeah, right. On like, random Thursday night, late night shopping. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I only see them just that at that Sunday. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's pretty powerful in that way where you just meet people you would have never have otherwise met and you know, they're all from different walks of life and different backgrounds and different ways of how they came to basketball as well, which is always really interesting about how they got into it in the first place and what kind of keeps them coming back. But, yeah, 
Yeah. Everyone's I got think- different motivations for sure. Yeah. Mm. I think you're right. There is a fine line sometimes. Like the Sunday just gone, we had a run uh, and another female athlete came, which I was grateful for. She came for the first time. And the reason why I really like that she came, she messaged me saying, are you going today? I really want to have a run. I haven't played since youth league finished and basketball just stopped being fun. Yeah. So as soon as she said that, I said, you have, you know, scrimmage is the perfect or pickup is the perfect opportunity to find fun in basketball again because just play with freedom. There's no one subbing you off for a bad decision. You're going to get chewed out for missing shots. Just come back and and enjoy the fun of it again. And I think that's the other great thing about pickup, which is kind of why I like going back too. Yeah, same. Because one of the things I noticed at the pickup game during the World Cup was – it didn't matter who was on the floor. Everybody was having fun. And, look, it was competitive. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. It was a competitive game. But the personality seemed to just gel. Yeah. And everybody just seemed to be having a lot of fun. And um, I think that was one of the things that I found really interesting. And I mean, obviously, my daughter got in there and played. Yeah. And she had a ball. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's a good way to learn uh, a lot of different skills too on your own right, just having the freedom to play but also picking up stuff from other people without having a formal coach kind of instruct you of how to do something a different way. It gives you a different perspective. I think that's also why I like, uh, you know, our friend of the podcast, Josie, when she runs her Promote the Goats pickups in Western Sydney. There's always so many lessons to learn from others and gives that sense of community to the young kids out there as well, which is super important. But um, other than Marshall, Nick, that you've already mentioned, who are some of the other more interesting characters that you've met along the way of playing pickup? And have you, you've obviously played uh, pickup internationally as well. What are some of the other countries you've played pickup? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Other countries-wise, like uh, the ones that stand out, like uh, Singapore, like a, a few years ago, I was just there visiting a friend for like four days and I just wanted to try and get a run and like for, for kind of fitness as well as just missing ball like while I was on the road and, and thought it would be interesting and she was working at a university so I just found the kind of court and that's one of the things I really love about it as well is that even language kind of fades into obscurity on a pickup court. Like you don't have to know the language of the place that you are, that, that you're in. You could just sort of almost fumble your way through, oh, we play threes? Like, yeah, cool, all right. And then you, you know, quickly work out the rules, whether offense or defense calls fouls or if it's ones and twos or whatever it is. Like it, it's all so universal that like I really love that. You, know, you could be in a completely foreign country where you don't speak the language. I still had a great run. Same thing in like in San Sebastian in Spain. I just like generally what I do when I'm uh, overseas, particularly in Europe, I'll just like buy a ten dollar ball from Decathlon that I'll just end up leaving at the last court that I go to, and just sort of got I'll go and shoot around, and if there's someone there, it's like trying to run, and so I've ended up playing like with a couple of different people sort of there, and again you can't really even speak the same language, but just. Yeah, it's an introduction to people that you just wouldn't otherwise ever get. <laughs> it would be strange to approach someone probably just on the street and go, hey, um, I can't even speak the language, but I don't know, what, what would you do, like coffee, beer, whatever? I don't know. There's always maybe some other 
motive assumed or something like that. So it's like this ultimate icebreaker. You just like all you want to do is who, but you sort of end up somehow just getting to know and building a connection with people through a common interest in that sense. So it's definitely one of the uh, the main points of interest for me for sure. Yeah, and it's such a strong commonality too. Like when you said, you know, in another setting, if you were to, you know, at a bar on your own and you saw some people of similar age or whatever, it's not the same going up to them by yourself saying, oh, hey, can I join you? I'm just a stranger visiting. Can I join you for a drink? It's not the same as having that strong commonality of being at a pickup court together and like having that same language, like you said, of basketball. It's I don't know. It's like, a, yeah, the perfect icebreaker, as you said. Yeah. I feel like um, pick-up basketball especially is just so unique in this. It's definitely, again, another one of the points of interest is for me is there's just no, there's no other sport like that works this way where you don't go to a tennis court and rock up and go, oh, you want to play doubles like with two people? Like it's just not done, right? Even... I don't know, there's just not really any other sport quite like it. It really is like a unique phenomenon in that sense in terms of kind of building connection with people and, and building community. Like I've moved around moved around states a little bit in Australia. Like I grew up in Western Australia and then um, lived in Queensland for 10 years and then I've been in Sydney for 10. And I think one of the things that spurred me on with the project was the fact that I've seen the benefits of it at first hand, like, I've uh, moved to a new city where I knew some people but didn't know lots of people and a lot of the time in hindsight, like so many of my close friendships developed from basketball like or from pickup runs with people that you start out with that common interest but it's, you know, it's just kind of easy. You start playing basketball together and then all of a sudden you're doing it regularly and then Maybe a few years later, they're the people that you have beers with on the weekends. And I, I don't know, I really love that, that it's that kind of maybe especially like for, for men as well, I don't know, with new like friendships with other people. Like it's it's quite cool that in that same sense, it's you maybe your guard's down a bunch more. Like you wouldn't, I wouldn't approach some random male at a pub and go, oh, hey, I'll come sit down and join you for a drink. Generally speaking, I wouldn't, but like play a few times with someone on a basketball court, you kind of work out that who your people are, right? Like just through, I feel like, well, this is it's another point altogether, but how much personality has come out on a basketball court, like it really is an extension of the person, the way they play. Like I think the metaphor I often explain to people is like if you're, if you're passing a lot and you're looking to facilitate other people in a pickup game, then chances are, that's probably how you are in lots of facets of life. Like you kind of look to engage other people and you're not necessarily always out for yourself. And in the same sense, like if you're just a ball hog, just always looking to get your shot up in a, in a pickup game, like the chances are that some, in, in some way that's reflected in your normal life as well. So I think in that sense, when you're running pickup games, you quickly kind of gravitate towards your people. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I played with fives on the weekend because we had – uh, less court space and a lot of people and I had three people who liked to hog the ball on the one team and I was like this is going to be an interesting dynamic <laughs> they all like to hog and they all like one to ball. share <laughs> so are they going to be able to share <laughs> yeah so yeah I was like mm. but I, I agree I think uh, 
yeah, people's personalities and true colours can translate into what they are like as a player. Also, how they handle getting bumped under the basket. Are they going to play fairly by the rules? You know, are they going to call fouls in, a, in the same way that, you know, they're getting fouls put on them? Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting when you have a bit of a deeper dive into it. Totally. I think that was one of the things that I found really interesting at the pickup game. Everybody got on so well. When you consider the number of people that came together for one game, right, at one time, most of whom didn't know each other in real life. Yeah. It was actually pretty amazing that everybody got on as well as they did. And everybody seemed to, like you said, a lot of people were facilitating. I I didn't see anyone being particularly a bull hog in that. To me, it seemed like everybody was there to kind of, hey, let's get together and let's have fun. Yeah, absolutely. It seemed like a particularly emotionally intelligent gathering of people, I would say, and that you do and you do sort of get runs like this sometimes where I think it's it's interesting that you sort of read the room, right? You sort of see what people's strengths are, try and work out like where people might like getting their shot up and, again, everyone is different um, and this is the, the sort of joy of pickup, um, but... Yeah, it's interesting to to see how other people operate, I guess, operate and, and work out how to kind of look for other people, get other people going. I find, like, a good pass, it feels as good to me. as it, Though I am a, like, shooter and I like to shoot, like, I get just as pumped on, like, getting someone else going or, like, a really, you know, a really nice pass, like, in the pick and roll or something like that. And it seemed like a bunch of people that were very much, like, <laughs> leaning the same way, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, women's hoops fans are all right, I think. we. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, especially from that pickup game in the World Cup as a whole, um, meeting people face-to-face for the first time that we'd interacted with purely online or, you know, on social media. Yeah, really it was a testament to the types of awesome people that are women's hoops fans. Mm. And, uh, I mean, that was the same at our pickup game. And, I mean, if you th- even look at women's basketball, you know, it's, partly basketball in its purest form it's the underdog of the form of the game where it's the one that's still just as good as the games that you and mostly see on tv but always understated and underrated so you know that the true hoops fans are people that are going to support something that's really worthwhile like women's hoops they're going to be good people as well yeah it's it's definitely i keep saying there's like a lot i mean there's so many things about pickup that i love but like one of the things that i I guess it's probably the key point of interest really for me with the project is that to me pickup is almost like the final frontier of like meritocracy in a sense. The game doesn't discriminate. Like whether it's your race, your age, your gender, your status, in what, what you do for work, you be a CEO, you can be a student, and, and even like we talked about before, like even language kind of fades into obscurity. Like once you step on the court, the only thing that matters in a pickup game is putting the ball in the hoop. And it's that meritocracy and that, like, is just so cool, I reckon. Like, it's just all the kind of identity politics that kind of surround our lives otherwise in the world just fade away. Like, it's, you just, that's that's the goal and you get about it and just meet so many other interesting people doing so. That's that's the raddest thing about it for me, I think. Okay, now, you did miss out on letting us know about 
some of the interesting characters that you've met. Yeah, yeah. And I'm guessing that, you know, the way you've been talking about this, there must be some really amazing people that you've met. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the, again, in, in that same sense, like the diversity of the crew is just one of the main things that's always when you get a chance to maybe you run with someone a little more regularly and then find out what they do for whether it's for work or what their background is, you're like, oh, wow. Like, I'm trying to think of some specific examples. Like, um, well, there was, there was one guy from the Tesla screen, you know, Miko Jacinta. Oh, yeah, Miko. Yeah, he's now, he was, you know, the coach of the MBO1 women's team, Miko. Yes. Yeah. So I met him and Chris at the Tesla scrimmage. They're both, um, I mean, Chris, they both sounded like expat Americans. Chris is actually Danish, I'm pretty sure. And, but Miko is from LA, I believe. Um, yeah, he's from Cali. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So I, again, this was just a kind of room read and I, like I, the first time I played with them, I quite enjoyed playing with them. They seem like interesting characters, both competitive but, and like hilarious on the court kind of play the right way and they were always looking to encourage other people to play that way too kind of thing in, the, in those runs but I ended up playing on a like a Thursday night team at, on Central Coast and Miko was on it so we eventually ended up going out for some beers and stuff and it turns out he in his youth pitched this like to do a book about pickup basketball basically like it was kind of a not what's the word I'm looking for he basically just kind of roped this publishing company into paying him to travel the world and go to pickup games and, <laughs> and not just pickup games, but also like big, like NBA, like global basketball, like kind of events and that sort of stuff. And so he traveled the world just on this kind of publishing house's dime, writing story that like really, I, and it was just like, what? Like, he talks about it like it was just you know, something in the distant past because I think what ended up happening, they didn't publish the book. He bought the rights for the book, maybe back off the publisher, and it's just sat in kind of way. I don't know. What are the odds? Like someone with this you know, similar interest that's had a, a past life that's like that closely linked to your own. So I don't know. Miko's story was quite interesting. Yeah, and it's not something that he, uh, you know, that's easily, that's a really good bragging story. Shout out to him too. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that dude. He's just, yeah. um, shout yeah, out to him. Yeah, and he's the most, yeah, down to earth, nicest <laughs> guy ever. Such a good bragging story to say, hey, I had a publisher, you know, pay my way around the world to play pickup and then I bought the rights of the book back. But it's not something that he ever leads with in conversation. I'd already known him for some time and I learned that what I feel quite late into our friendship were that about this book. Yeah. So, yeah, also reflects the, the type of guy that he is. But how wild that he's like, oh, yeah, I've, I've done this before. Yeah. I know how this works. <laughs> I'm trying to think of any others. There's um, when, I, when I first moved to Alexandria maybe three years ago, I think uh, I was literally getting out of the lift in my apartment. Oh, no, I was about to get in the lift. And my neighbour, the guy that lived directly next door in the apartment block, um, got out sweaty as hell, all in like sun's like Phoenix Suns gear. And um, I was like, "You play ball?" And he's like, "Yeah." We, we hadn't really even met yet. Like, um, I think I'd met his wife and run into her in the car park, but uh, I hadn't really met him. He's like, "Yeah, man, I run this like play this pickup run on like Friday mornings at Sydney Uni. We've been doing it for years. It's like really broad group of people. It's kind of." Musos, mathematicians, like 
she come, come along with me like next time. And I was like, oh, I had an injury at the time, but like I ended up kind of going along. And I still go now, like it's one of my runs every week. So like 6.30 a.m. to 8 in the morning. And yeah, just like one of the, he's become a really close friend. I'm now a Phoenix Sun supporter because he's from Arizona. And, <laughs> and I, didn't, I didn't have a team for years. And I always struggled to pick an NBA team. I always followed players. But I thought, I was like, I'd really like to commit to a team and just like, for better or worse, just have a team to support. And um, I was like, I kind of got some geographical allegiance via proxy with him. So I'm, I'm going for it. I'm, I'm a Sun supporter now. This <laughs> is funny. But uh, there's a, couple, a bunch of interesting dudes, even at that run, like guys like musos that are like, you know, huge Australian musos that are like touring regularly and um, Bruce Bolden he was running with us, but he ran for many years, like XNBL finals MVP. He's just so I was shot. I was shot some portraits of him and got to know him a little bit better. I was had an interest, and I love the idea that he's gone from kind of you know a guy coming up in the states to eventually playing in Australia and obviously played at a really high level in the NBL and then um, coached and stuff, and now kind of gives back to the community through coaching and stuff through his my hoop stuff. Yeah, just all the different kinds of people you can think of to <laughs> just through basketball. <laughs> so let's just wind something back for a minute. To go along with this, how did you first get into photography? Um, so I'm an identical twin and um, my twin brother has been into visual arts for a lot longer than I have. So he was he was probably – I mean, I always took photos like just – but just like – point-and-shoot cameras growing up, like, you know, the equivalent of a phone now, I guess. And when I came out of university, I actually worked as a magazine editor for a bunch of years for, a, like, a surf title up on the Gold Coast um, or a bodyboard title called Riptide. And so doing that, I was – the editor role was kind of all-consuming. It was like you photo-edited the mag, you sort of, you know, broadly kind of designed and wrote and – um, dealt with contributors and that sort of thing. So I was looking at pictures and looking and thinking about what made good pictures for the whole six years that I was running the mag. And it wasn't until I left the magazine that I kind of had the time and inclination to actually wrap my head around a camera, um, like a proper camera. So I started doing bits of work in both fields, like kind of um, I'd get some portrait assignments through the publishing house because I was still connected there and still doing some contract work for them. And I really got to a point where I felt like I needed to pick between the two and not end up a jack-of-all-trades master of none a little bit. So I'd always had an honest conversation with myself about like what I really, what innately I felt like I wanted to learn more about and it was photography. So that's what sparked moving to Sydney was to move here and sort of start from scratch career-wise to uh, work as an assistant and work in studios and try to understand a little bit more about um, commercial photography and the kind of, I guess, like I guess the peak level of how producing as good a work as you can kind of thing. And, and then from there, I guess you find your way to the things that interest you because there's, you know, as many different types of photography, innumerable kind of, genres of photography from um, fashion to product photography to landscape photography to, I mean, underwater photography. I don't know. There's, and you, you really, you know, to get good at something, you need to specialise. I think I lent towards portrait photography 
just because partially what we talked about before with my um, constant ease with meeting and talking to people, <laughs> new people and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I really liked hearing people's stories. Um, I guess I think I might have mentioned this to one one or both of you maybe at, at the run at Sydney Uni. My, my motto is almost like I think if you take the time to ask just about anyone and show a genuine interest in who they are and what their story is, I think people tend to, there's always something interesting to find out. I just, all you got to do is take the time to ask. And so my photographic work kind of leans that way in that yeah, I just think every, everyone has an interesting story and I try and capture that in a portrait, I guess, with, with different people. Um, it stems partly from my dad was a journo. He always encouraged like an interest in people and observing people and taking a kind of genuine interest. So probably part of it stems from there too. A long time ago, we had a good friend of ours, Jeff Tripp, on, on the podcast who's been shooting around hoops for many, many years. And I know that one of the things that he always found really fascinating, and I'm not sure if you've ever taken photos like this, of the players when they're actually playing, the expressions on their faces, the emotion that, that comes out. Have you found, you know, like with the shots that you've done at the pickup games, how do you find trying to capture that that emotion? Um, I guess my style of portraiture is a little more um, uh, considered is not the right word, but that's a sort of a candid approach, right? You're sort of shooting fly-on-the-wall style a little bit and you – you know, I tend to try and create portraits that are a little more considered and intimate in that, like, I'm actually asking the person generally to otherwise look to camera. But I guess best results-wise is probably, A, being, being able to spend at least a couple of minutes kind of talking to someone maybe before you kind of shoot their picture or spending time playing with them, I guess. That often helps too if you're in a run and then you're shooting a portrait, you've sort of developed that rapport already with someone because you've been on the court with them. But post-game is always pretty great because I think, A, people are a little more at ease and partially maybe, uh, I don't know if vulnerable is the right word, but they're recovering. So they're less likely to be concerned or thinking about like how they might look in front of a camera. Um, and that sort of thing. So I guess if I have any approach at all, it's usually to try and get a run with people or, or even a few runs and then turn up one week for like to, to try and take pictures and do it kind of post-game so that there's that sense of familiarity um, that you get a chance to build, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it would be tricky when you're not doing, you know, portraits for pick-up people if you're doing it in your regular nine to five, so to speak, and having to do portraits for other different industries and contexts. And so you mentioned that, yeah, you've got to spend that couple of minutes to build the rapport. Yeah. That sounds like it would be really challenging. Yeah. I mean, it's um, it definitely is. And you get different people at different taskmasters in a sense that, like, I mean, some people there's just probably no way to crack them. Like there's, you can try just about everything and everyone's got their kind of different different method or different approach for kind of warming people up or getting the shots that, that they want to. Yeah, I suppose that's why, again, like if there's any kind of strength I think I have as a portrait photographer, it's that ability to just kind of chat with anyone 
<laughs> um, and, and kind of put people at ease. Um, 90% of the time it works. I mean, I've definitely been cracked by people and it's, it's pretty tough on a commercial job when you're just trying everything in your power and someone's just like got a f- mouth is like a cat's bum and they're just so tense. <laughs> 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 It's happened. It's like borderline hilarious. He's just like, we need to get a picture of you, and this is not going to work. But uh, <laughs> so, what do we do? We can't you can't force someone to like do a particular thing or like get, you know be at ease. So you, I know you can only try all your tricks for so long. <laughs> <laughs> You ever use that line from Napoleon Dynamite when they're trying to get Uncle Rico to t- relax to take a portrait? And I think um, she says something like, just imagine yourself surrounded by a thousand tiny seahorses. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> something like that. Hopefully yeah. you know, listeners will know what I'm talking about, but don't. It's don't distraction, right? Yeah. Directly, like exactly right. But, yeah, she says something like that to get Uncle Rico to relax. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Hopefully, that's now not in your head the next time you have to go shoot a commercial job. It seems like it's probably a pretty effective tactic. So, I don't know. I might be taking that one on board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the things that we do is we tend to ask a totally unscripted question. Mm. <laughs> No, no, nothing oh, no, down. I'm, I'm down. Yeah. I'm just looking over my what notes that I wrote. Unrefreshed. Now, have you got one that you want to throw to him, Jacinta? Um, I th- yeah, I think so. It's not as fun as your one, though, so do you want me to go first? Yeah, go, go for oh, it. I love this. Yeah, so it's not serious either. It's probably more of a maybe a critical thinker, but uh, what is the greatest assumption that people make about you that is often incorrect? Uh, on, on a pickup call? Oh, pick up court, on court, off court, in life, down at Aaron Affair on a Thursday night, anything, anywhere. Uh, assumption that's not correct. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to think. It might take me a moment to think about it. On a pick up court, it's that I'm not tall, so people kind of assume that I can't ball, maybe, and like, I don't know, I'm like a pretty decent shooter, especially for a mid-range. So I think people are kind of shocked usually when it's like, what? Like, hang on, what? <laughs> and it's not like I'm like especially athletic or anything either. Like I'm a fitness, but I'm not. I've never been like super fast twitch athlete either. So I don't know the way I go about playing the game. I think people are sometimes like, oh, I didn't ex- I wasn't expecting that. Like, <laughs> um, But in life, I don't know. I think maybe what you see is what you get a bit with me. People always assume I'm a surfer, which I am, so I don't know that's <laughs> was pretty fair. It's got something to do with the hair, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, c- I couldn't think of anything off the, um, yeah, off the top of my head. Uh, on court, you're definitely quicker than you're giving yourself credit for. I'd prefer <laughs> not to guard you. You're pretty quick off the first step, so. <laughs> yes, thanks. Count that as you're in your, in your repertoire. Appreciate you. <laughs> All right, so we'll go for a slightly different one. Yeah. If you were going to be a character from a book, any book, who would it be? Character from a book? Yeah. Jeez, I'm a 
voracious reader. I'm just trying to say, I'm trying to even think of the last book that I read um, or books that stand out, like favourite books off the top of head. I'm going to say something and then it's going to, then we're going to go, no, 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 that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, the, it's always the one where, like in pub chat, it's readily available, these, these oh, really yeah. points about you, but then in non-pub chat, <laughs> like when you're asked on the spot, you can never think of it. Totally. Um, character in a book, character in a book, character in a book. Even a book when you were growing up? Yeah. Um, I think growing up it was always like real people were always like whether it was, and it's mostly sports related, so I was always either reading books about or stories or magazines about other athletes doing sports that I aspired to. Um, so it was bodyboarding and surfing and um, those kind of interesting stories and, or musicians or skateboarders. Yeah, I don't know. It's always like almost like non-fiction. Would non-fiction count? <laughs> or yeah, is it non-fiction more like a fictional character in a book? It doesn't matter. It's, it's your answer. Whatever works. I'm really struggling. You've, you've caught me out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could go. For, we could go for the old regular. We could go with Jack Kerouac, like or the character in On the Road, because I mean, it was a big influence. It was a, an influential book for me in my kind of years as a journo, especially. And I do love the like the kind of uh, freedom of like just like a road trip and an adventure. But I don't know if that's a very interesting answer. I think that's a good no, answer. That's a really good answer. Especially if it was meaningful to you in a particular part of your life as well. You know, it's not just a book you liked. It's a book that resonated with you in some way. Yeah. I think that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Nick, thanks so much for your time. And let's remind everybody again that the Pick Up People exhibition is opening on Thursday, November 10th. Yeah at the Alexandria Hotel, the backyard at the Alex, yep. and it's at 35 Henderson Road, Alexandria. Yep. Exhibition will be up for at least a month, so if for whatever reason you can't make it to opening night as well, yeah, it'll be up there. The, there is a uh, – that half court in the back is always there, so grab a pint and uh, go get some shots up at your – whenever you feel like it. <laughs> yeah, and you don't have to go just once. Go many times. Yeah, and um, I think the publication should be – available for sales at the venue throughout the course of the exhibition as well. And prints, I think, should be available online, but I can probably provide some more details with that sort of stuff um, closer to the date. Yeah, definitely. Please let us know. Nick, it's been great having you on. Yeah, thanks, Ed. Um, I really appreciate it. It's, a, it's an honour. And um, really can't wait to, to go to the exhibition have a look at some of these photos. Yeah, likewise. Okay, thanks, Nick. And... We'll speak to you soon. All right. Thanks again, guys. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.